Hello everyone. I hope all of you have had a good week so far. I want to welcome all of you back to hash it out. Another episode, another week. <laughs> so this week, our topic is going to be on LGBTQ liberation and the current issues that are affecting LGBTQ individuals in the present day. We're going to be going through the history of the modern LGBTQ movement and the current conditions of the movement in the present day again. Um, There is a content warning in place because there are mentions of sexual violence, police brutality, and other forms of violence. So, um, listener discretion is advised. Um, To keep up the spirit of the semester... Um, I am joined by my fellow SJ Ed scholars as guest co-host. Um, this week, I am joined by Zoe Johnson. Hello, Zoe. Hello. What's up, everyone? Um, so, a little bit about me. My name's Zoe, and as Riley just said, I work with them in the Social Justice Scholars. Uh, catch me and my partner at our program, Real Talk, where we dive into deep dialogue about different pressing issues. Um, so, come out and support if you're real. Um, besides my work with the scholars, I am a student studying communication as well as women, gender, and sexuality studies. So, as you can guess, I'm really looking forward to getting into this topic. And if all of you did not remember from last semester when we did tunnel episodes, Zoe actually did a room in that um, tunnel of oppression. She did um, the school shooter room. Mm-hmm. Me and my partner, we worked tirelessly. It was an awesome room, and I'm lo- I loved how it all came together. Stop. Thank you. <laughs> we, tried, we put so much work into it, so I'm so glad it turned out. Yeah. We didn't know how to go for a little bit. We, ah! But it all turned out. Of course. <laughs> so yeah, uh, Zoe was here before. She. This Ayo. is a, This is a, a new. This is a, a new thing new. for. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So let's get down into it. Mm-hmm. So Zozo, do you want to talk a little bit about what sparked the movement? for LGBTQ liberation? Yeah, actually, so like being in sexuality studies and things like that, I've done a lot more research than I ever thought I would. And I guess when someone says like the gay liberation, the first thing my mind goes to is the Stonewall riots. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, right? Because then you're like, oh, people were taking to the streets, like F the police, like (laughs) all of that kind of thing. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But then through doing all of this research, I was like, oh, Oh, there was a lot more before that. Like, oh, yeah. I remember in one of them, I figured out that the first, um, like, human rights kind of homosexual emancipation type of thing was in Chicago in 1924, when the U.S. at least. And I was like, what? Because Stonewall was 1969. Right. And we're talking about 1924, and I was like, what? Yeah. <clears throat> and that was in Chicago, and now, like, there was a lot of, you know push back against it because it was a meeting place to create community for queer people. Um, but now, in 2015, it just got recognized as a national landmark, which was freaking cool. Um, so that's something that I found out about that I would have had no idea had I not, like, dove into the research for, you know, my literal degree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that was wild. Right. Um, some A little bit more background information, actually, towards, like, actually, the the idea behind, like, gender and sexuality and all that other stuff is literally socially constructed. Facts. I mean, Zozo, you're um, you're part of, like, the women's studies uh, mm-hmm. thing, so you probably can speak to this also, but the idea behind gender 
biological sex, sexual orientation, everything all these, in that everything in that <clears throat> realm of sphere is all based around very colonial ideas behind like determinants of how we identify as people and right. kind of like how we present ourselves in the world. It's literally just a very socially constructed based in uh well based in colonialism yeah at the end of everything that's what it leads back to right yeah and i think when we talk about these sorts of things people want to be like oh we've existed forever that's not really the case um it's kind of just based around this like again like colonial constructive idea around Mm -hmm. gender identity gender expression, sexuality, etc. These types of things. So, you know, a lot of people will be like, oh, it's just biology. Well, <laughs> biology <laughs> is also socially constructed as well. Because mm-hmm. really, what really determines us as quote-unquote male or female? Right. What, a bunch of body parts and chromosomes? What does that mean? <laughs> that's nothing. Like, that's just a bunch of hooey. Exactly. And the whole idea between, behind, like... It being gay liberation, queer liberation, LGBTQ liberation. Like, the word liberation, as if, like, living as myself is free. My fight for freedom, like, I can't just exist like that. Like, the idea that you have to come out and the heteronormativity against that, um, that is deeply rooted in our society, for the fact that this movement is even a movement, is wild to me. Yeah. Like, oh, people are living? Oh, my God, they're so brave. Bitch. What? Right. Exactly. Um, I also want to, like, speak to, like, the fact that, like, the idea behind, like, the the discrimination also comes from this idea behind owners of property, owners of capital, owners of, like, inheritance. Like, you had to produce, basically, offspring in order to, like, pass down your, right. your, your heir. And Worth is because you can have a child. What? Right. And people who didn't do that were seen as abnormal, um, that sort of thing. Also, can we talk about, like, the rise of the Christian church? Oof. And Christianity. Because right. that became, like, a very, very um, prominent time, probably during, like, the Middle Ages and mm-hmm. stuff like that. <laughs> and so those types of, be- quote-unquote, behavior were seen as quote-unquote deviant yeah exactly and i think it's wild because right now i'm in a class about women in islam Mm -hmm. and we are like side by side um comparing like the bible to the quran and we're like reading that there is so much like sexism and heteronormativity ingrained in everything that the bible is and then with the rise of the christian church it's like oh yeah you're right women are second class beings let's treat them so and like with this rise in christianity you see so much more backlash and hate against huge groups of people right like queer people especially included and that's just wild that is extremely wild um i also want to talk to like um Probably towards the, the the industrial revolution in the mm-hmm. 1800s, um, there was there was like eyes in this kind of like movement already, but there had been like grumblings beforehand. Mm-hmm. And when we start talking about like paragraph 175 in Germany and the Weimar Republic, well, I'm sorry, not the Weimar Republic, but the the monarchies in Germany, mm-hmm. um, that kind of like told them no you can't be like this blah 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 and then world war one happened and you know metropolitan cities like <coughs> berlin and paris became like almost like safe haven right for you know uh 
queer folks, mm-hmm. basically. Um, and then the Nazi right. era came, and a lot of people um, were subjected to very violent mm-hmm. and brutal subjectivity. And the pink triangle and all of the symbolism behind that. Exactly. Along with everything else, and just... Yeah. Hmm. It was just a, a, a whole continuation of this idea behind you're seen as abnormal because A, um, the rise of the Christian church, Mm -hmm. B, you cannot produce any, you were not able to produce any hairs or anything like that, so you can be owners of property or anything like Mm -hmm. that. Capitalism. Let's be real. Let's be real, y'all. And because society just deemed what was normal and what was abnormal, anything that fits out of this super rigid small box is automatically abnormal and therefore is treated as a second-class being. Exactly. So I see we have the the machine, the machine. Mm, I've got to be honest, I don't know how to pronounce this. Um, the machine. That sounds right. Yeah, yeah. the machine society and home of file movement. So uh-huh. this was part of the new research that I found. So these are actually the people who started a lot of pushback for queer liberation. Um, right. So they founded one of the earliest gay rights. They founded one of the earliest gay rights organization, um, and they claimed the term homophile, which is the less clinical and less focused on sexual activity, giving, you know, the identity more than just being, oh, you have sex with your same sex, how, oh, disgusting, you clinical disorder, things like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, and they were made to protect the, and fight for the rights of homosexuals, queer people. Um, they were actually, this is so fun, they were the publisher of the first pro-gay magazine, One. Um, they even won a lawsuit because someone labeled it as obscene. Mm-hmm. Um, they won a lawsuit against it and a bunch of cool things like that. Um, and then out of that came a bunch of different, like, sister and brother organizations which fought for queer liberation. Right. Um, yeah, one of those, the daughter of Bilitis. We're, yeah. we're guessing on pronunciation right now. Um, in 1955, made the first lesbian publication, which was super cool. Um, and I think this was super interesting when I was looking in my research. So this group, the Daughters, was four lesbian couples, and then one of the lesbian couples was the first legally married couple in 2004 in the same-sex weddings, which was so cool. So this organization that dates back, like, tens and tens of years, bam, automatically one of the first couples legally married to someone who's been fighting all their life and then they get that honor of being the first person legally married in the u.s definitely um i think something that also needs to be said is during um like during the post-war post-war era in uh, after world war ii um I don't know. Zozo, are you familiar with McCarthyism? McCarthyism, what is it? Like, McCarthyism was an era in post-war America where um, there was basically a, basically, um, a, a, a repression of, uh, of leftist organizations, mm. leftist um, people under the reign of Joseph McCarthy. Oh! Uh, so McCarthyism, okay. Anti-commun, uh, what was deemed to be anti-communist sentiment was sweeping um, American, um, the political landscape of America, and that also followed with the Lavender Scare. Mm-hmm. So, Red Scare was this time period where you know people were afraid of communists and other sort of leftists um, deemed uh, people, and then the Lavender Scare came Hang after on. that, mm-hmm. and so a lot of people who were deemed to be gay. Not straight. Um, not yeah. straight, you know, trans, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera, um, were often fired and yeah. were often uh, snuffed out 
by the American government, primarily under J. Edgar Hoover. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. That's really interesting because the two founders, or one of the founders and a close person to them, of the Medellin movement, um, was removed from that and removed from the publication because of the anti-communist propaganda that was being so heavily pushed, and they got pulled right out of that. And the Medellin Society was actually... Mm-hmm. Marxist in in nature. Yeah. It was Marxist in nature. And I thought that was so fascinating. So it kind of leads up to like the 60s. Right. If you, if any of our listeners out there have ever talked to their grandparents and stuff like that who lived during the 60s, the 60s were a time of of political rebellion. Yes, it was. Protest. Demonstrations. Demonstrations. Fighting against the power. Right. Mm. The whole... Power to the people. Hell yeah. John Lennon and mm. Yoko Ono, you know, that yep. sort of thing. We see this resurgence of very, um, a very revolution idea thinking. Um, like the Black Panther Party, the Young Hell Lord, yeah. mm-hmm. Star. Oh, we're going to get into that in just a sec. But right. this idea behind the, the, the revolution, mm-hmm. um, power to the people. Um, the raised fist, yep. The raised fist, you mm-hmm. know, the civil rights movement. All of this was cultivating in the 60s because this was just a time where... People were fed up. They were done with all the bullshit. Right. And that was just that was just the way that people, you know, the anti-war movement, um, the Vietnam War, you know, people were like, no, we're not going to, like, take this bullshit fighting in countries we're that done. is not your own, etc., etc. So... Zozo. Yeah. You want to talk about the Stonewall Riots? Yes. Oh, do I want to talk about the Stonewall <laughs> Riots? So there was a lot that led up to this. So in the 50s, we just covered all of the stuff that happened in there. In 1961, we got Illinois as the first state that decriminalizes, decriminalizes homosexuality. We're getting more progressive as time goes on. In 1965, the term transgender was first coined. So we're getting, we're getting some momentum, right? We're catching our footing. We're catching our footing slowly but surely. Um, New York City... That's where it all began, New York City. Yes. Um, So the city deemed that alcohol couldn't be served to gay and queer people, right? They Mm -hmm. said, "Mm, no, we don't want to in our establishment. It's banned. It's gone. So because of this, we had a lot of police raids and bars and things like that trying to uphold the law of you can't serve alcohol to gay people. We don't want them congregating. We don't want them in our spaces. Um, So there was a lot of police raids and harassment blatantly that went on because of this. Right. Which eventually led to the Stonewall Inn being raided in 1969. And just after weeks, years, you name it, of being suppressed, harassed, just dehumanized because of their identity and living how they want to. Yeah. And their liberation of living out as their true selves. Um, You know, the police came into the Stonewall Inn um, ready to catch people in the act of congregating, serving alcohol, and the neighborhood was fucking fed up. They were done with that. They didn't want to be harassed anymore. They were tired. Oh, yeah. So, oof. This is known as the catalyst for the gay rights movement. Like I said earlier, when I think gay rights movement, I'm like, Stonewall in. Let's go. Stonewall riots. New York City. <laughs> um, and basically, this police raid turned into a full-blown riot. It lasted five days. It started with the throwing of bricks, the throwing of objects. The neighborhood was done. They fought back, and they didn't care at all. It was a revolution. <laughs> a revolution. It was anti-police, anti-capitalist. You know, it was spearheaded by folks who lived on the streets, <clears throat> you know. Trans people of color. Yeah. That's who Primar- started this off. Primarily mm. bra- black and brown trans women. Yes. Who were, you know, kind of subjected to harassment by police. They were forced on the streets to in order, you know, to mm-hmm. survive. They often had to, you know, 
they had to provide themselves, so they often had to uh, uh, do, like, sex work. Mm-hmm. There was sex work there. Not only were they queer, they were also people of color. Yes. Facing institutionalized racism, facing queer obscenity of what the society deemed them to be, like, everything. And they were done with it. It was the 1960s. You felt that surge. You felt that power. Civil rights movement was passed. Like, civil outbursts and demonstrations were gaining more and more popularity. More people were showing up. And they said, this is the time. If it's not now, then when? Right. If we're not going to do it today, no one's going to do it tomorrow. So let's do it. So five days long of anti-police fighting back against police brutality and harassments. And the Stonewall riots were born. And that sparked so much for the movement. I think it's really important to, like, know that, like, um, after, after the Stonewall riots happened, you know like 1970 mm-hmm. two prominent figures in that movement you know um Sylvia Rivera mm-hmm. Marsha P. Marcia Johnson, P. Johnson. Mm-hmm. and I think Major I forget mm-hmm. her name Stormy Delaware yep all these other people who were there at that day you mm-hmm. know were saying we're fed up with this so they really just said F this yep and it started took, throwing shit <laughs> yeah and started taking to the streets you know saying you know this is where it's at and it was revolutionary in nature. Yeah. And I think what's so cool about this is that it sparked so much. We had the Gay Liberation Front in 1970, which led to our first Pride Parade, the Christopher Street Liberation Day. Um, we have a bunch of things happening in this. Um, we have groups born like the Gay Activist Alliance, the Radical Lesbians, the Street Transvestites Action Revolutionaries. All of these were born out of this one riot that sparked the whole movement and gave power back to the people. And the people said, you know what? I'm going to take it. Let's do more. This isn't enough. I think it's also really important to note this. Um, the political framework in order uh, for intersectionality. Mm. Zozo, Zozo, you're, you're, um, you're a, uh, a, a women's studies major. Yes. And intersectionality. Mm. Yeah. So the political, the, the political framework in order to lay down before Kimberly, Kimberly Crenshaw had coined the term intersectionality in 1989 had already been laid down by... Star Star organization, which was spearheaded by Sylvia Rivera and Marsha P. Johnson. Yep. Yes, it was. And also by the Combahee River Collective mm-hmm. um, in towards the end of the 70s, which was made up of black lesbians. Yep. Um, who said, you know, they basically the, the idea behind intersectionality was laid down because it was mo- more sli- mostly in material basis. Yep. That, you know, oppression. <coughs> was deeply inter- interweaved throughout, uh, throughout so many social identities and that interlock and right. create heavier boundaries for each person involved. Exactly. And mm-hmm. I think nowadays we think of intersectionality as a certain thing. Mm-hmm. Um, however, it's kind of... I think it's kind of been co-opted a little bit by... Yeah, it's mainstream kind of media. Mainstream media, mm-hmm. mainstream organizations and stuff like that. We just really need to get down to the roots of it, saying, you know, this is really basic <clears throat> and material, material of reality. Yep. And that oppression is very based in... Well, they said colonialism, mm-hmm. uh, capitalism, yep. imperialism, <laughs> and all these other things that mm-hmm. made up this sort of oppression, racism, et cetera, right. et cetera. I mean, let intersectionality explain itself. Like, at the, if you look at the grassroots of most organizations, mm-hmm. who are the people getting the shit done? It's... Black and brown bodies, right? Right. 
Look at the women's rights movement. Do you know how many black women made it possible for white women to get the right to vote when white oh, yeah. women were racist saying, I'd cut off my arm before a black woman got the right to vote before me? Oh, yeah. So many. Susan B. Anthony, let's talk about it. Like, And at the basis of the Stonewall riots, which was literally proven, Marsha P. Johnson, Sylvia Rivera, those are the people who had started this huge movement. We had so many wonderful organizations and people at play before Stonewall, but like we said, Stonewall's the catalyst. Mm-hmm. Who's behind the catalyst that take all of these movements? Black, black and brown and, people, yeah. especially women. Right, black and brown, yeah, mm-hmm. women. And I think it's also important to note that during the Christopher Street uh, Liberation Day in 1973, um, Marsha, or not Marsha P. Johnson, Sylvia Rivera had gone up to the stage and said, you know, y'all will say, I'm paraphrasing, mm-hmm. but she basically said, y'all will be like, you know, oh, we support our rights, but you won't give, give a fuck about the people who live on the street. No. The people who are in jail. Nope. The, you know... The, 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 the trans folks, you know. Because guess what? It didn't benefit them. No, it didn't. So, it didn't. oh, why would I care about that? So they were what? Bo- they were bo- she was basically booed off by the assimilationists, the mm-hmm. ones who wanted to assimilate into this, like, cis, heteronormative Mainstream society. Mainstream culture. Right. easier to digest. Right, easier to digest, mostly white. Yep, let's be honest. Let's be real. It's mostly white. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she was like, you will do things to benefit y'all, Mm-hmm. But you won't do anything. Well, <laughs> no. She basically said, you will do things to benefit you at the expense of the people who live on the street. Yep, the on the backs of the people who worked for it. And you won't even stop to look at us. The ones who bled, who actually shedded blood. Exactly. And that's the, that's what intersectionality is. When you think of the gay rights movement, oh, Harvey Milk. Oh, a white man. Yes, he's amazing. Let's give props to Harvey Milk. But Marsha B. Johnson, Sylvia Rivera. like All, like, all these other people? All of these, oh, the women's rights movement. Oh, Susan B. Anthony. What? What? Sojourner Truth? Like, Harriet Tubman? Like, do any of these people not matter? Do y'all just not, like, know? Exactly. And the oppressions of their identities intersecting is what, like, oh, we're going to put white people ahead of them. Oh, what? And when they're the reason that these movements happen, it's absurd. Yeah, definitely. Mm -mm. I think that's really important that, like, like, intersectionality is mostly rooted in very specific terms, like, Mm -hmm. very rooted in anti-capitalist anti-colonialism, anti-imperialist sentiment. I think a lot of y'all need to know that. Right. And that is basically on that. And that's on what? Period. Period. (laughs) (laughs) So, I guess we're gonna move on to our next topic. We already talked about uh, Harvey Mel. Right. First Uh, openly gay politician, California. Yeah, we all know about that. Platform, you already know. I did think it was interesting. I don't... No, if I knew this or if I didn't remember, but Harvey Milk is the one who pushed Gilbert Baker to create the first pride flag. I didn't know that it was Harvey Milk who pushed him to I do didn't that. know that either. Yeah, so that was really cool. That's crazy. Um, shout out to Baker. Right. Love to see it. And then the March on Washington for Lesbian and Gay Rights in 1879. Mm-hmm. More than 100,000 people showing up um, fighting for their rights, which is an iconic move. Love oh, to yeah. see it. And then we move into the 80s. The 80s, oh. as we all probably know... And this is going to get really heavy, so I want everyone to take a deep breath before you start listening to this. We're all going to take a moment. So, the 1980s were marked by the AIDS epidemic. Which continued to plague modern society. Right. So, as we all know, the AIDS epidemic is still a problem that we have in this Mm -hmm. country today. Um, At the time of the 1980s... um, People were starting to get sick. Nobody knew what was happening. It was, you know, it was mostly affecting 
um, it was mostly affecting people. Yep. Who were deemed by the government mm-hmm. to be undesirable. Yep. The gay disease. Right. Oh, it was it. at one point it was known as GRID, which is gay-related <coughs> immunodefic- immunodeficiency uh, disease, mm-hmm. which was not true. Nope. Um. So it was marked by again political repression. Are we surprised? <laughs> no, we're not. Um, Ronald Reagan, who was the president at that time, um, had said nothing about the epidemic nope. until 1985. More than a thousand, more than thousands of people had died mm-hmm. from the um, from AIDS already. But hey, if the main demographic that it's killing off is the undesired people, then why would I say anything, Reagan? Right. Huh. And that's why I say Ronald Reagan is burning in hell. Oh, for much more than just the AIDS epidemic. Let's oh, yeah. be fully clear. Yeah, let's be real. But one of the, <laughs> that was one of the markers. Oh, yes, it was. And he actually impeded research and developing treatments for people when they had already, mm-hmm. and thousands of people had died. Yep. So, um, so then they, that's the AIDS epidemic. Um, then we move into Don't Ask, Don't Tell, which was a bill, I think, for Clinton? Clinton, and then Obama did some work yeah. with it as well. Yeah, so that was um, a bill in order to, um, you couldn't be openly uh, gay um, or, or trans or um, whatever um, mm-hmm. in the military, and then Obama kind of um, lifted that after um, well into his presidency. Yep, lasting until September 2011. Right. Mm-hmm. And then marriage equality in the 2000s. Woo! So what if, was the award show that had all of the people getting married? Do you remember that? Was Did Ellen host it? I think, maybe. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Whenever I think of marriage equality, I think of... No, it was Same Love by Macklemore. And, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we all know that. We all know that song. Um, mm-hmm. Marriage equality really blew up in the, in the early 2000s. Well, in the early 2000s. Going into the 2010s. Mm-hmm. Yep. Which is both a blessing and a curse because obviously we want the right to get married, but once that passed, oh, what more do gay people need? Right. Was a lot of the rhetoric that I heard around that. Or, like, a lot of it, again, came from the assimilation culture that we yep. had. Um, after that happened, you know, mm-hmm. things were still not very um, equitable for folks. Nope. No, um, it, it may have been equitable for some folks, but for others, they still felt the brunt mm-hmm. of this. The favored folks felt equitable, right? Because what it is. Mm-hmm. The very, you know, wealthy, the very uh, mm. upper middle class, blah, 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 blah. The very, you know. Politically engaged. Politically. Has a lot of hands and a lot of different, yep. Right, and a lot of jars. Yep. Um, so that's the marriage equality mm-hmm. movement that happened. Um, yeah, we're kind of speeding through the more recent topics because I'm, Hoping that you guys are all familiar with those. And then we move into trans rights. <sighs> We're still fighting to get there. We're still fighting to get Ugh. there. Um, material resources. Um, mm. There's a lot of lacking in material resources for trans folks. Um, and with the Trump administration, we... <laughs> right. <laughs> right. That could be its own podcast, let's be honest. Right, it could be its own <laughs> episode. But it's really... Um, black trans women are still being... Murdered, murdered at alarming rates but guess what people in power shift their gaze turn their head turn their cheek right because they're what oh less flavor less favored in society's eyes oh so you want to kill them off sounds familiar aids epidemic yeah oh oh hmm. yeah so a lot of like things still need to be fought for we're not all the way free 
Mm-hmm. And until, like, it shouldn't be based on politics. In my opinion, in my opinion, it shouldn't really be based on, like, solely based on reforms and, you mm-hmm. know, politicians. I know right. a lot of people will be like, oh, if you go out and vote, you know, this, that, and a third. I'm Why just is my like, identity a political issue? Right. right? Um, or, you know, if fighting for things... I think feel like I feel like has to take a little bit more mm-hmm. oomph to it. Um, yeah, because nothing's gonna happen. We just saw like without the Stonewall riots, like that was the oomph to get the movement started. Without right. those, it would have just been a lot of organizations fighting small battles that never lead to a bigger one, right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, so the last point we have is police at Pride. Let's move Z- to present day right now. Right, oh. Zozo. What is your opinion on that? Well, let's talk about the Liberation Day. Right, the very first Pride parade we had was born out of Stonewall and born out of resistance to police brutality. Mm -hmm. And now present day, if we look at pride movements, there are police littering them. There's, I went to pride two years ago and my friend got told to leave because of what he was wearing by the police at pride. Yeah. I'm sorry, what? Yeah. And how many times do you see police officers looking at you, scowling at the people at pride? I'm sorry, you homophobic asshole. You don't have to be here. We don't want you here. Right. Um, I think it's also important to say, because um, I was actually on a panel last week mm-hmm. um, for Police at Pride, oh. and I do not believe we should have Police at Pride, no. point blank, period. Um, I think that there are alternative methods. Um, I know with the organization I'm with, the political organization I'm in, we do rallies and stuff like that, mm-hmm. and we don't ever need the police there, no. I think. And really, that's just the thing about it. It's just like the police are nothing more than tools for the ruling class. You know, they're nothing more than just to protect the ruling class. And that is that, you know. Exactly. And a lot of people, I I posted this on Facebook like a year ago, Mm -hmm. and I got flack for it. (laughs) I got shitted on for it. So it just shows that class interests... And, you know, that sort of thing. Well, oh, like, for some people, that's the only thing they'll defend yep. before anything else. And that just is really telling. Why? And why are you having the direct symbol of the violence that the community faced at the one event that celebrates the community? Right. Why, right. why aren't you protecting those who are mostly affected exactly. by police violence? And as we know, as police brutality has become a major issue within the last... Five years or so, mm-hmm. you know, remembering Trayvon uh, Martin, Martin yep. remembering, you know, Eric, uh, Sean, no, Eric, no, the names are escaping me right now. Right. They're, they're, Tamir uh, Rice, people like that. Tamir yeah. Rice, you know, Aaron Bailey here in the city, mm-hmm. you know, all these other people who were subjected to state sanctioned violence. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's really where it's at. Disabled folks are also, um, subjected to police violence as well. And you have oppressors at your events to finally be liberated. That yeah. just is so bizarre to me. It if is. you ever approach them about it, I'm sure one of the reasons you got flagged on Facebook is because like, oh, the police are there to protect you from what? Them? Yeah. No, we don't need them at Pride, no. period. Mm-mm. So, yeah. We're kind of... It's that's where we are now, We're right? where we are now, so... Got a lot more milestones to go through until we're truly free. But is anyone truly free? Hmm. Right. Under this this system? Nope. (laughs) And this economy? Doubtful. Exactly. 
So, we're kind of running to the end of our episode. So, before we go, Zozo, I would like to thank you. Oh, you're so welcome. Thank you. For being on this episode. I'm sure a lot of our listeners are so, are going to be very appreciative of your um, insights and stuff like that. Thank you, Riley. Thank you to everyone listening. Shout out to letting me be a part of this amazing experience. I feel hashtag honored. And also check out Zozo's Real Talk. When is the next Real Talk? Our Real Talk um, is going to be on March 6th, I want to say. March 5th, I lied. March 5th in MC 101. Um, Come check us out. We're going to be talking about women. Um, I don't know specifically what about, but... Women, hey, that's enough to pull you in. Ah. Yeah. So come check us out. Talk with us. Yeah. So I want to thank all of our listeners here for tuning in to this, this week's Hash It Out Woo! episode. Um, come back in two weeks for another episode. Um, if you have any comments or opinions, feel free to comment them in the SoundCloud link or whatever you may use. Um, until then, I want to thank everyone for listening. Stay informed and stay intentional, folks. Have bang, a nice bang. week. <laughs>